You are about to hear a message from one of our worship services at Rescue Church, located in West New York, New Jersey. If you'd like to visit or learn more about us, please check out www.rescuechurch.tv. For those of you who have your Bibles today, let's turn to Isaiah um, 61. And I just want to share something kind of just... I have good news for you today. I don't, I don't know what's going on in your life, or, 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 but I, I have good news for you today. And last week, we, had our, we celebrated our ninth anniversary, and it was a very meaningful and significant time. There was very meaningful things that were said. Honestly, I brought my friends in to really pour into your life and marriage, and that, so you guys were my heart, you guys were my intention. And in that, I was really blessed. Someone sent Sarah and I a nice offering as a gift, and they gave us this prophetic word that was just really, really on time and really important. And there were some things in the prophetic word that caused me to rearrange what I wanted to share on Sunday according to what was happening on Saturday and what Isaac and Deborah shared on Sunday with Tina shared. And so I wanna, I wanna say some things um, now. One of the things that um, Arnold included in his prophetic word was, this is a trustworthy group in that he's speaking of a specific group of people. And he's, he's saying the things that you wanted to do before in the beginning that you didn't fully do, you're getting another opportunity to do them now. And one of those things is healing of the soul. Uh, the biblical terminology is the restoration of soul. You see it in Psalm 23. The restoration of soul leads to the prosperity of soul where you're in good health and you're prospering. How? Even as your soul prospers. So this is not a prosperity guy on TV shaking you down for money. This is an old, old John who has just seen Jesus, who've lived through persecution, who's lived past exile, He's very old, and he says this, Beloved, which means people who are loved, above all things, above all things, this is an old man who's been persecuted, who's seen Jesus, who's seen the resurrection, who's seen the heavens, who's seen the end of the Roman Empire, who's seen, he's seen everything a man can see that matters. And he says these words, above all things, beloved, beloved. In other words, your love above all things. I wish that you prosper and be in good health. How? Even as your soul prospers. So God's number one priority for your life is the prosperity of soul. That doesn't come until the soul is healed. God wants to heal his people. God wants you to be whole. You may go, I'm fine the way I am. Well, that's amazing. But I would like you to consider that maybe you're not fine. And maybe as you learn to walk with the Lord, you discover more and more, in fact, you're really not fine. And that's okay. And I want to say something that's very important. When my son fell the other day and he came crying running into my arms he didn't feel shame because 
you know, he was not sure-footed on a chair. He didn't feel embarrassed. He felt pain. So that pain brought him to his father for comfort. Hugged him, rubbed his back a little bit, and in 20 seconds, you know, he walks downstairs and then you just, he's back to normal, running around doing his thing. And the church is the lamb's wife. And we are the bride of Christ corporately, not in individually. Um, but corporately, we are the body of Christ. And we are a place of healing and nurture for people's souls and for people's families and for people's lives and for people's marriages. And th that has to be, you don't feel ashamed to go to the hospital if you're sick. You don't feel ashamed. You cannot feel ashamed if your marriage is sick, if your finances are broken, if your relationships are in trouble. This is a place of healing. This is not a place of shame. Shame will cause you to hide. Shame will cause you to pretend. Shame will make things worse. Honesty, humility, transparency, that, that's what leads to healing. You don't go to the doctor and say, okay, doc, you can't look over there on the x-ray because that's what's broken. Well, if we don't look at what's broken, how can we fix it? So I, I want to say that this is something that the church is not a place to pretend. It's not a place to come with a Sunday smile and, and you know, your, your good fresh outfit and pretend like everything is all good when it's not because we're not into fakeness here. And we, our love for you is not based on your performance. It's not based on how good you're doing, how, how, how cool your outfit is. It doesn't matter. What matters is you being well on the inside, really. Because everything in your life will flow from your heart. All of the issues in your life, whether they're good issues <laughs> or bad issues, they're all gonna flow from the inside of you. So your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions is where you process pain. It's where you process opportunities. It's where you process decisions. So, so everything that's going on in your life, actually it's the origins and the responses of it are from the inside. So in our life, we have the propensity to want to clean up the outside like, okay, I'm not gonna smoke weed anymore. Okay, I'm not gonna do coke anymore. I'm not gonna you know, gamble anymore. And, and I think that's definitely, you know, a great start. But you have to get to why you're smoking weed. Why do you want to do coke? Why, why do you want to gamble? Why as, why as a Christian do you think it's okay to gamble? Or what? And so you want to start to address and then you, you find that gambling is rooted in greed. But you know what? Greed is, is rooted in a fear of lack or a lust for power. So you start to discover why things are wrong in your life. And you walk with the Lord long enough to say, God, I can trust you with my life, help me. And the people who are doing well are the people who were willing to admit that they weren't well. Jesus said, I have not come for the righteous. I have come to call sinners to repentance. What does that mean? It means change. It means change your mind. It means change your direction. It means change what comes out of your mouth. It means change the people you associate yourself with. Change the people you hang out with. It means, it means change. 
And it's a good thing. It's not like it's not like a four-letter word like repent, like, oh my God, that's bad. No, that's actually, imagine God is so merciful that he will let you choose the devil your whole life. And as soon as you turn to him with sincerity, he's like, I got you. And he treats you like you've been loyal and you haven't. And then he, he, he treats you like you've been faithful and you haven't. And he, he gives you mercy and you don't deserve it. And then he dignifies you with grace and favor and you don't deserve it. And then he lets you represent him. And then before you represent him, you go through lessons that teach you that you're not ready to represent him. Because you don't do things as he does them. And that, that's the whole, the whole three years of Jesus with his disciples is them getting to know him and learn that they're not ready to represent him. And they can't represent him in their own strength. And they can't ever access the strength of the Lord until they come into deep understanding of their own weakness. Peter is, is a representative of a man who thinks he can serve God in his own strength. Oh, you're type A, you're all go-getter, blah, blah, blah. You'll step out of a boat, you're crazy, you'll cut an ear off. Yep, you're no good to God until you know that you've utterly failed him and you can't serve him in your own strength, Peter. And I don't need Simon. I'm not looking for Simon. I'm looking for Peter. And until, you, until Simon dies, Peter never rises. And so if, if we're not willing to kind of let things die and let ways of thinking die and mindsets and relationships sometimes, certain things have to die so other things can rise. And so this is all good news. Now, I'm going to read Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord uh, is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. This is important. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they, say and they, do you see how it's him, he, 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 and they? There's a shift in verse 4. The people that he ministered to becomes his ministry team. But there's people here that need ministry before they can really minister. And that's okay. That's okay. That's how the Lord works. And the Lord works in this way because he loves us. He's patient with us. He's not into fakeness. And he wants you to be whole. So the Lord's priority is that you would be whole more than you would just go do things. We want to do things. God wants to make us something. We want to do something. God wants to make us something. We want to have something. God wants you to become something. <laughs> it's like, it's a whole different situation. And, and God, his priority is not your productivity. God is not a taskmaster. He's not a productivity director. God does not care how booked out your Outlook schedule is or your Apple schedule or your Google schedule. God is not interested in that. What God is interested in is addressing the things in your life that would hinder you from understanding His love, His truth, things that would hinder you from experiencing His freedom, from experiencing His abundance, from really deeply understanding that His way is actually literally better. Like when you know God's way is better, it's, it's easy to do things His way. 
The reason that I didn't have a meltdown in the airport is because I'm a representative of Jesus, number one. Number two, a meltdown in the airport is not going to be productive. It's not going to put me on a plane. It just makes me look crazy. And then they're like, this is a crazy white guy. What's wrong with him? So it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It's not productive. So I don't, I don't need to do that. And honestly, it's not good for me to get that mad. It's not, it's not healthy for me. Because that if I, if I pass a certain threshold of mad, it's not good. And I understand that about myself, so I don't do that. I don't, I don't, get, I don't get that. You, you know, we only have to get in that situation if we have to you know, move through a door in Africa or something in Kenya. But we don't, we don't get like that, right? That was another situation. <laughs> They're just blessed. Brett, Brett didn't get in there first. So... Praise the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is, you know what's so beautiful about Scripture? This is so accurate with what happened. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is Adonai, the Spirit of, which is the second person of the Godhead. It is the Son. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord God... <laughs> has anointed me. The, the accuracy of these words, if you understand Hebrew, and you understand when this was written, and when this was fulfilled, it's insane. He's saying that the Father anointed the Son. That's what this is about. With the Holy Spirit. This is a family reunion here. God is family. Bishop Mark Sharona says this, we talk community, God is community. God is community and God is in perfect agreement with himself. Do you know why God gives you a new heart and a new mind? So you can be in agreement with yourself. You know some people are not in agreement with themselves so they cannot be in agreement in their marriage. Someone who's indecisive, they, they, they have trouble agreeing with their spouse because they don't even agree with themselves. You ask them what do they want, they don't even know what they want. So back and forth, up and down, in and out, that's because they're double-minded. That's okay. God wants to heal that. It's not a problem for God. Whatever the problem is, it's not a problem. It's only a problem if you don't acknowledge it and you pretend like it doesn't exist. Other than that, it's not a problem. It's an opportunity. The problem is when we deny the problem. The problem is not when we discover the problem. That's, that's an opportunity. That's, God says, no problem. You have access to everything I have, and I am enough. You're not enough. I'm enough. No, you're not. You're not enough. I don't feel like enough, you know. No, you're not. He is enough. And when, when you come into contact with Him, you see you different. Everything changes when you're, because you're not, you're not living from you. You are not the source of your life. <laughs> That's miserable. Because then I'm so limited to what I can do with the sweat of my brow, which is a curse of sin and death. It's not the favor of God. It's not the increase of God. It's not the blessing of God. It's not the witness of God. The witness of God is when God shows people, I'm with you, I'm with him. Actually, he's with me. <laughs> that's different. That's, 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 that's the thing. All right. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Now, in the Old Covenant, Old Testament, 
prophets, priests, and kings were anointed, but they were anointed for a specific purpose. When, when God puts an anointing on someone's life, it's not so they can, oh, I got this anointing on my life. I'm No, nobody cares about that. Just do your assignment. Don't tell us how great you are. If you're really that great, you don't have to tell people. You just show them. <laughs> so just, just do your assignment. Your, the anointing that's on your life, the grace that is on your life, the favor that is on your life is for your assignment. If you stay in your lane, you'll be all right. If you try to transcend you know, and do things that are not for you and you try to elevate yourself and you try to you know muster your way in and promote yourself and you have this this self-promoting thing of I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that and blah 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 you're gonna hurt yourself you're gonna damage yourself and you're gonna misrepresent the Lord as you do it and that's not God's will for your life he doesn't want you to be ashamed because the end of self-promotion is shame because whatever you get in the flesh you have to sustain by the flesh Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news. Good news to the poor. Do you know what good news to, to a girl who's been abused is? Now there's a safe haven for you in Bavaro. You know what good news to the poor is? Now you can go to school, little Haitian guy. You know what good news is? Young lady, you're, you're going to die of cholera. There's a water filter for you. Good news looks like something it's not just talk it's not go to heaven when you die good news has to break into here and has to break into now good news for some of you is you don't have to live with anxiety you don't have to live stressed out you don't have to have strife in your marriage your sex life can get better with your wife you don't have to be bitter toward your parents. You can forgive them. You don't have to repeat the same mistakes that you saw in your family of origin. You know you can stay married your whole life and leave an inheritance to your children and your children's children. And you can be old and live and sit on a rocking chair and look at the next generation and see, I played my part in the purposes of God. I have finished my course. You can have confidence that you have finished your assignment. But people don't tell people they can live like this. They say, you know, you can, and, and this is, this is, can I say this? This is not even exceptional. This is normal. Normal kingdom life. Like you see what my wife does? People go, oh, she's amazing. She's just normal. She's just normal. The bar is so low. The bar is so low. I'm sorry. She's above average. But in the kingdom, that's normal. In the kingdom, God expects his kids to do what they're supposed to do. He calls the person that does what they're supposed to do an unprofitable servant. Because he actually expects you to succeed. <laughs> he expects you to be faithful because the faithful one lives in you. He expects you to be trustworthy because the trustworthy one is in you. He expects miracles to flow from your hands and from your life because a miracle worker lives in you. It's easy to write books. It's easy to write songs because an author lives in you. 
It's easy to have vision and, and, and create because a creator lives in you. It's easy to be a father because the father lives in you. It's easy to be a son because the son lives in you. It's easy to forgive because you have experienced forgiveness. Have you not? So, so all these things, this is so hard. You keep saying it's hard. This is so hard. This is so hard. Yeah, it will be. It will be. But the good news is that the gospel is for the poor. And you know what? You don't have to be broke to be poor. Do you know, you, it, it says the humble, the meek, the, the, those who acknowledge they have a need that they themselves are unable to provide for. Can I tell you something? In God's eyes, everyone is poor. David had a kingdom. David wrote a lot of psalms, had a bunch of wives, a lot of gold, and a lot of victory. He had what every man would want. And David said, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. David says, who am I that you are mindful of me? Not God owes me uh, an answer, and God owes me a breakthrough. Who am I that you are mindful of me? That is humility. That gives you access to the strength and the victory of God. Humility is not a fake smile and a little soft tone and a little gay handshake. Humility is I need God. I need Him. You don't understand. I need Him and I need His ways and I need His people and I need His provision and I need His protection and I need His wisdom and I need Him to deliver me and I need Him to guide me and I need Him to lead me and there's no part of my life that I trust myself in. I need Him in every space or I'm in trouble. Yes. That's humility. Not, hey, hey brother. That's not humility. To preach good tidings to the poor, he sent me to heal or to bind up the brokenhearted. You know, one of the worst of brokenhearted is the word shatter. Have you ever dropped the glass and you shatter it and, and you're like, it's, it's not like you broke a piece. It's like that little handle broke off your coffee mug, which is painful. But I mean, you, you really like this thing is broken. Beyond repair. You know what God says? I put my hand on that. I'll repair it. Oh, you're shattered? No. Perfect. That's great. Are you shattered? I've been there. Have you ever been shattered? I had my vision of the future smashed in my face. I've had 15 years of shattering. And, and God says, no problem. In a moment. I put my hand on it, everything will change. Whatever he puts his hand on, it'll never be the same. To bind up the brokenhearted. And so the first place that God wants to work is here. We want to go outside. We want to do groceries, water filters, blah, 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 which I love all that. God bless you. I'm all about that. But God says, no, that's all great and good. And yes, those people need that. And yes, when you do it to them, you're doing it to me. Except, that's all true. But on the other side of that same coin, you're a son in the kingdom of God. 
and you're my priority because if you're not well, whatever you're doing won't last. And what you'll do is you'll destroy your testimony which will discredit the work that you've done. Because if you destroy your testimony, many times it discredits the good that you've done. So God is always protecting you in the, long, in the long haul. God is not in a rush to get you on a missions trip, in a rush to get you here, in a rush to get you on a church leadership team. No, no, no. God is concerned with you being well. This is our priority for your life. I don't want, to pe I don't want, I don't want people leading who are not well. Get well. It's all right. It's better to get well. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, opening the prison to those who are bound. So captives and prisoners are not the same people. Captives are those who have been taken, and generally speaking, prisoners, generally speaking, deserve to be in prison. Now, you know, you have some slipping through the cracks, but in general terms, prisoners are generally law violators, who deserve prison. So you have captives and you have prisoners. And here's the good news. The gospel is for the oppressed and the gospel is for the oppressor. Jesus saved Saul, who was a persecutor of the church. But Jesus also saved the people that Peter preached to. So the gospel is for the oppressed, for the down for the distressed, for the disenfranchised, for the depressed, for the lonely, for the sinner. But the gospel is also for the ignorant, proud person who thinks they're doing the right thing and thinks that they're good. When they discover God and discover they're not good, if their heart responds correctly, the gospel is for them too. So the good news, believe it or not, is for everyone. No one is disqualified. You're like, you don't know what I did. The good news is for you too. There's the only disclaimer, there's only one disclaimer. If you don't accept the good news, it turns to bad news. And the word that was to save you judges you. So God doesn't send people to hell. There's nobody in hell that doesn't want to be in hell. The gospel is, is good news. The gospel is for all people. So that means that the only way you get the judgment of God is if you actively reject the mercy of God your whole life. It's good news. That's why it's good news. It's like, you're like, you don't understand. It's like, I don't qualify. No, no, yes, you do. <laughs> you don't know what I did. No, no, you too. You don't understand. I actually have money and I, I don't hate myself. <laughs> well, if you acknowledge your need, you can come too. My, 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 uh, my weightlifting, my powerlifting coach went to a church one time. It was like a happy church. Everyone's happy and cool. And, uh, and they were like, hey, man. And they say, welcome home, man. They're like, you matter here. You know, and my coach is like, I don't really hate myself. So when they said that to me, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> so I said, and that was, that was how someone who's like, on the, on the, you know, like Catholic on the edge, that was how he experienced Hey, man, you're welcome, man. Hey, man, you matter. And he goes, you know, me and my girl, we don't really hate ourselves. So, like, that was kind of, like, <laughs> strange to me, you know. So, anyway. Okay. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. So, do you know you can be free? 
You, you have to really catch a vision of freedom. Freedom means no, no addictions. It means no vices that you desire. It doesn't mean that you don't have a propensity that you better watch. It means that you're not participating and saying, yeah. It mean, you have, that means that you have self-control. When you're free, you have self-control. This was the, one of the things that hit me so hard. When I became saved, when Jesus saved me, I had the power to say no to things that I would never even consider saying no to. And I was like, wow. I was like, what in the world has happened? And that's powerful. Like when you're stuck with yourself at night and you yourself know, dang, I haven't changed. And you're, you're like having a conversation with yourself. You're like, wow, this is pretty crazy. You know, and that's Jesus wants to really ratify the inside of you so that even you are shocked about you. Like, for example, if you met the new you, you'd be shocked. If, if, for example, I'll use Jose since he's a receiver. Jose, how old are you? 34. Imagine if the 57-year-old Jose blessed, prospered, married, grandchildren, We'll give him an S class. We'll bless him. Imagine if the 57-year-old Jose would walk in, shake hands, and look at you in the eye and say, this is who you're becoming. That would, that would transform your perception of yourself. Many times people don't see themselves correctly they don't see who's God's calling them to be they see where they are where they've been what their father said about them what their mother said about them what people say about them the things that people remind them of their past about they don't see who they're becoming so they live like who they were while they're trying to move forward but see that's why you have to sometimes you have to break familiarity because if people are too familiar with you they, they really it's, it's a problem in a church or in leadership when you're humble and you love people. Sometimes they can get so familiar with you and they hear you and they rob themselves of what God has given them for you. Like I can see my pastor's humanity. I can say he, he's a human and this and that. And if I don't honor him correctly, the, the treasure of what he has for me, I won't value it at the level it's worth because I've become too familiar with him. This is one of the dangers of when someone wants to be humble, when they want to be approachable, when they want to be loving, when they don't, they don't have a distance between you and them. The, part of the danger of that is you can become so familiar, like they, they it happened with Jesus. They, they're like, oh yeah, you're Jesus, you know, from Nazareth and da da da. Like, so they thought that they understood him and they thought that they understood where he was from and how he got there, but in fact, they were robbed. So it says that he did no mighty miracles there. So their unbelief cut themselves off from access to the authority that he carried. So he could go somewhere and do great miracles. And there it wasn't happening for them. Not because it couldn't happen for him. Because they couldn't receive it. This is what I was telling in Christian church yesterday. We have to break the spirit of dishonor in this region. Because there's people that go 
from this region that they're prophets to the world, prophets to nations, and they come here and they're not well received, and it robs the church and the region of what they have. They go, oh, that's just this person, or that's just that. And it, when, when, they, when Christian goes to Latin America, they roll out the red carpet, and here they're like, oh, whatever, that's just Christian, he's crazy. But he actually has something in his mouth that'll change your life. And so, you know, you have a, cha you have a choice, like, are you going to choose honor? And I'm not talking about worship or exaltation of man. I'm talking about, are you going to choose to position yourself correctly so you can receive what God has? See, honor is a really, really critical thing in your life. Okay, opening to the, the proclaim liberty to the captives, opening the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. So I don't know if you know what the acceptable day of the Lord is, but this is talking about the year of Jubilee. And Jesus is the Jubilee of Jubilees. Jubilee took place on the Day of Atonement. Another message. Not gonna... Jubilee means the cancellation of debts. Economic debts. <laughs> God, listen, God can do something in your life in a moment. I'm going to tell you a short story. I have a friend. I'm not going to say his name. He went from $30,000 of credit card debt to $500,000 liquid and $1.2 million in assets in six months. And he did nothing shady or crooked. Not doing short stocks and hustling anyone on the streets, you know. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he just was in position. He was hearing from the Lord. He was walking in obedience. He was consistent in his life. God said, okay, you've been faithful. Okay, I can trust you. I'm going to command a blessing on your life. How many people have 500,000 liquid in the bank? Not a lot of people. There's a lot of people that are rich on paper and they're poor when it comes to cash. They make $350,000 a year and you know, $327,000 goes out. It's like, what do you have? $27,000? How many hours a week do you work? 100. It's like, you're, that's actually not great. Like, you know, so so <laughs> that's another story. Let's get out of that. All right. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. You know one of the ways God takes vengeance in the new covenant is by healing people? In, in Mark, it says that the Lord was angry and then he healed someone. The Lord does not like to see his people afflicted. It kills God to see his people afflicted. As a father, you will not, not, especially moms, you will not want to see your kids suffering. Okay. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. There is a day of vengeance. There is a day where God will make the, the things that are wrong right. People are not going to get away with it forever. There is a day of reckoning. The Bible says, do not take vengeance. Why? 
the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So that means that if I want to take vengeance on you, I'm stealing from him. People think that tithing is the only way you rob God. It's because only people think about money. If you steal vengeance, you, you don't allow the justice system of God to work. And I'm telling you, the justice system of God, yep, the justice system of God is the best justice system. That's all I'm going to say. I have stories of merciful people allowing the justice system of God to work. And you'll be pretty, pretty shocked. Some of the stories are pretty wild. So anyway, we're going to not do that online. So, yeah. Uh, to comfort those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. There's so much here, I cannot preach this whole thing today. It's too much. Instead, watch this, instead of your shame which he was speaking to their current condition, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Double honor. That's actually, believe it or not, that's talking about money. I'm not going to get into all this today. I can't. He's just talking about riches, so don't, don't get religious on me. <laughs> you know, it's like, Okay, people, don't worry, I'm not going to receive an offering. People are like, <laughs> lock the doors, Brett, no. So, instead of your shame, you shall have double. Instead of confusion, shame and confusion, they're friends. They shall rejoice in their portion. You, you got to rejoice in what God gives you. That's what we did when we had dinner the other night. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. See it again? Double. Double. Everlasting joy, not temporary happiness. Everlasting joy, this is the gospel, shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. This is where I got my son's name. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. This is a way of saying I hate a fake I'm sorry. I will direct their work in truth and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. And all, and all who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord, Yahweh, has blessed. This right here is the testimony of the Lord that speaks to people.
because they don't understand our prophetic song, your journaling, tearing, and all that other religious stuff that I love. They don't understand that. But they see the blessing of God. They see that you are able to do things that you could not do without Him. And people see it. Believe it. Believe that. Because I hear people, the things that you hear non-believers say, and the things that you see people observe that you don't know that they're observing, and later it comes out that they're observing, wild. That they are the posterity whom the Lord blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He has clothed me with garments of rescue. We need our own garments. No, but He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. One of the words is also a robe of prosperity. I, I really, it's not fair to you guys. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to them. I feel for them because I know I'll be, I'll be, three o'clock, I'll be like, oh, Jesus. He who endures to the end shall be saved. I'll be like, I'll be like Father. Mary's, doing Mary's crying in there. Mary, get her, get Mary, Lord Jesus. <laughs> All right. He has covered me with robes of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden, watch this, he's talking something natural here and say something spiritual. As the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. All nations. So that means that we're going to see a great harvest of righteousness and praise in all nations. In Saudi Arabia, in North Korea, in Somalia, in Haiti, in Afghanistan, in Pakistan, in Kyrgyzstan, in Uzbekistan, in all the stands. We're going to see them, but it has, there has to be people who the Lord has healed, people that the Lord has blessed, people that is evident that the Lord is with them, planting these seeds so that this harvest can come forth, a harvest of righteousness and a harvest of praise. So you see the Spirit of the Lord upon Jesus. He's ministering to the crew. He, he's ministering to us. And verse 4, and it says, and they... Who is they? The people that have received his ministry. The people who have been ministered to. The people who have been healed, comforted. The people who have been forgiven. The, the people that have been set free. The, it says that all those who mourn in Zion, you know where you mourn? You mourn in Zion. You know where Zion is? Zion is the presence of God. You don't mourn on the live stream. You don't mourn in a nightclub. You don't mourn in a bar. You don't mourn at a refrigerator. You don't mourn on a website. You mourn in the presence of God. That is where you deal with the pain. If you don't, you'll get more pain. Where do you mourn? In Zion. Zion is the place where God's name is. Zion is the place where God's presence is. God is the Zion is where the Holy Spirit came. Zion is where David's tomb was. Zion is where the, the, the clouds from Hermon move 90 miles geographically and come and reign in Zion. 
That's supernatural provision, a commanded blessing that comes from unity in Zion. God, those who mourn in Zion, God will not stay silent for Zion's sake, for his people's sake. This is important. This is critical. We have to learn where to take the pain. Where are you going to go with the pain? That will determine the purposes of God in your life. Will you stand in the purposes of God or will you be derailed? Will you be held captive? Will you be held hostage? Will you stay stuck or will you continue on with the Lord? Because there's many people who are not going to continue. Even in this church, this church was built in, in many ways on inconvenience for some and convenience for others. But as we journey, we'll see who's with us. We'll see. And it's the same with the Lord. When you walk with the Lord, you'll see who's really with the Lord or who's in it for what they can get. The same way with people in your life. Do these people really love you or are these people trying to get something from you? So my encouragement to you is a simple encouragement. Let the Lord do verses 1 through 4 in your life and don't feel ashamed that you need healing. Don't feel ashamed that you need to mourn. Don't feel ashamed that you need to come out of a prison cell. Don't feel ashamed. Reject that because instead of shame, God says you have double. I mean, come on, Jose is like receiving that. I mean, double sounds good. Triple sounds good too. I'll take that. I mean, I'll take 10 times, 100 fold. I mean, 1,000 fold. I mean, I'll take it all. But I don't, it, what's critical is that we embrace the process of healing. Because how are you going to restore other people if you're not restored? How are you going to cast the devil out of someone? You got the devil speaking to you. How are you going to counsel someone in your marriage? Your marriage needs counseling. You got, we got to let him, let him in. Yes, I acknowledge you, my love. <laughs> the anointing is for the afflicted, not the pretenders. The first place God goes to work is in the brokenhearted. Those who feel and are completely shattered. If you are broken beyond repair, God can repair you. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? She spent all her money. Doctors couldn't help her. Who helped her? Jesus. So you're, if you are broken beyond the repair of men, God can put his hand on you and repair your life. Repair your finances. Repair your relationship. The best place to mourn and receive comfort is in Zion. It's in the presence of the Lord. Take it to the Lord. It's old school. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Let the Lord give you beauty for ashes until the ashes are undetectable. Until people go, I can't see that. I used to be this. We don't see that on your face. I used to do that. Well, you got your teeth back. I can't see that. You look happy. You don't look that old. The Lord restored the youth. The Lord will give beauty for ashes. That's a good exchange. 
I give you brokenness, you give me beauty. That sounds like a good trade for me. That's the Lord. That's how bad he wants you to win. He really, you don't realize how much God wants you to win in a good way. Last one. The mission is rescue, restore, and rebuild. This is a gospel mission. This is not, oh, your church is a cute slogan. This is, the God, this is at the very center of the gospel. And this passage, just so you know, Jesus, when Jesus introduced his ministry, he used this passage. That's how central these truths are to the work of Jesus through Jesus and the work of Jesus in you and the work of Jesus through you by the Holy Spirit. So this shows you when Jesus preaches the gospel and the Holy Spirit goes to work on people or when we preach the gospel and the Holy Spirit goes to work on people. This shows you the work of the gospel, of the Messiah, of the kingdom. And this leads to life. This leads to life. Do you know why it leads to life? Because there's no fakeness in this. People really get healed. People really get free. People really get comforted. People really can start to recognize the blessing of the Lord on your life. And you know what? People want that. <laughs> Who doesn't want that? When you go to Africa, they, they little kids come up to you and they wait for you to put, put, put your hands on their head because they expect blessing from that. That's faith. That's childlike kingdom faith. That'll really teach you something. That's how natural it should be for us as sons and daughters of God to expect as we position ourselves by our Father's hands for the blessing of God to come upon our life. Let's pray. Lord, have mercy upon me in the hearts of the children's church workers. <laughs> Thank you for the great work you're doing in Mary's life, preparing her for the future. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing, God. Honestly, we're thankful for what you're doing. We embrace what you're doing. We wholeheartedly want what you want. And we ask you just for your help to allow your Holy Spirit to work in us and to bring a transformation where we never go back to the world. But we're going to the Word. We're going to you. Help us to love one another in this process. In Jesus' name, amen.